from the spacious confines of Studio H here in the Impact Studios down in Holden Hall. It's the third season of Warning Track, the MSU Baseball Podcast, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to Michigan State baseball, probably the only one dedicated to Big Ten baseball, college baseball. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of college baseball podcast? Kyle Turk alongside Tino Abarca, Noah Goad. How you guys doing? I'm well. I can't say the same for Noah. That's Tino's voice. I'm not doing well today. Woke up with a cold and a broken foot. Okay, no, you can't wake, you can't wake up with the break broken foot. You can't just break it in the middle of the night. But for for the listeners, you do have to tell the story. You know, you broke this foot while playing dodgeball. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night last week, I was playing dodgeball and I uh, went to go throw a ball on my plant foot. Landed funny, and now I have a fractured fifth metatarsal. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I, I simply don't. That's grounds for disabled list right there. I think I think I definitely there, wound up on the on the disabled. There's list. a good tweet. It probably was Ryan Cole, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I would guess it's Ryan that made the tweet. Is we put him on the IR, but making a making his way off the pup list and uh, able to come on the show today. Uh, the the three that will be with you for the probably the duration of the MSU baseball season, currently off to a two and five start overall out out, out west. They get to go to California. We have we have spring break coming up. I don't think we're going all the way out to Cali though. I can no. go to Florida. Are you going? Are you going back to uh, Chicago? I am. Uh, I was thinking about making a drive to Minneapolis, but Ooh. that just seems way too far. What, what, what's? I mean, I'm trying to think of the distance. Chicago to Minneapolis just seems far. About an eight hour, eight hour ish drive. Seems about up. right. I mean, keep keep bantering. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the uh, to drive time there. But I don't. Have you been to Minneapolis before? I've never been, and I have almost two weeks of spring break for me. So it's you, there. You say, the okay, opportunity. You get, you get two extra days. You're you're leaving on what Thursday? Tomorrow. You're, so oh, I think I think you gotta make the trip now. I might have to. It's there for me. It's there. Flights from eighty bucks if you take Spirit. Ooh, I don't know. That's just an idea. You you look you look apprehensive. You look like you're not very interested in going to Minneapolis because I don't trust my car. That's why. That's fair. Tino Barca, Noah Goad, Kyle Turk. We're we're gonna give you a little season preview here for Michigan State baseball. Off the two and five starters I mentioned, uh, went went out to Fresno, lost four games out in Fresno, came back and uh, went to Pepperdine University. And for for those of you that are not really uh, aware of where Pepperdine is, Malibu, California. So eh, two two probably weekends of nice weather for the MSU baseball team. Then they get to go uh, right back out on the road. Yeah. Right back to Minneapolis, and and the thing is, they're the playing. Weather might be a little bit different in Minneapolis. Of different course. for sure, but they'll be playing indoors at U.S. Bank Stadium, home of the this recent Super Bowl. So they'll be indoors for that. That'll be an interesting kind of setup there with the football field too. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a big, big environment for them. I think that they're gonna have trouble selling seats. It's gonna be an empty stadium, but I think it's gonna be right. Nice. Well, okay, that's that's to be expected though. Yeah, yeah, for sure, stadium. for sure. Well, I'll tell you what. This is huge for the Big Ten because baseball. In February and March, early March, in Minnesota is almost unheard of. So that's huge for the Big Ten, huge for the Minnesota program. You know, and I think, I mean, if, if you're going to listen to us long enough, you're probably going to pick up on a few things about college baseball. And here's here's one of them is it the schedule, just the setup and everything around it, it favors the Southern teams. It They get to, obviously, the weather benefits them. They start practicing. There's a reason that these teams in the Midwest and the majors go down to Florida and Texas and wherever else, Arizona, to spring train and prepare and do all that. And that's something that I think, you know, the Midwestern teams, it's, it's a clearly competitive disadvantage. And I think it's why 
a team from the Midwest has probably not made themselves into a national powerhouse when you look at teams in the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, that can do those kind of things and can maybe just get that little extra bit of preparation for the season. Oh, for sure. I know a pitcher for Michigan State right now, Ethan Landon, he's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and he was on Spartan Sports Network talking about their high school season. And in their state championship, they're, they would have a team who's maybe 10, 11, 12 games tops in, and they would be playing in the state championship. So that just speaks to both college and high school baseball, you know, up north, Midwest, wherever, wherever you have cold weather, a lot of games don't get played. Yeah, so you look at that, We've, we, we're we starting this podcast a little bit late, but there are already a few games in the season, but we wanted to make sure we had a, a, enough of a sample size where you could get into you know, a few maybe trends that are starting off the season with the team early on. Uh, we had preview coverage over the last week, I believe a couple weeks ago now, over at uh, impact89fm.org slash sports. That's where you can find all of our written content. Once once the team comes back into East Lansing, March 15th, I believe is the date, March 15th, March, 15th. March 16th, they're going to... Back to McLean Stadium for goodness, probably what a good month. So we'll have no no shortage of baseball uh, content for you there. We'll get into a little bit of the season preview though. Uh, you know, looking at the roster and how it's shaped up so far. I think we'll 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 start off with the with the infield here, and that's you know you've got two uh, mainstays, two multiple year starters, Zach McGuire at first base, Marty Bikina at third base. Uh, initial thoughts on their season so far, both. Uh, we should preface this with saying that you know the two and five record is is probably pretty deserved so far, given given the way this team has been unable to hit. I'd say in in its first five, seven games now, for sure. Yeah, a lot of the players just haven't come around so far. We talk about Bailey Peterson, a JUCO transfer. He has two hits and twenty two plate appearances. He's been playing some second base and just a lot of other a lot of other players, especially Bryce Kelly, who's who started the season at the top of the lineup, a leadoff hitter. Hasn't got his bat around. Yeah, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, uh, there's, I think there's going to be an adjustment period for, for Peterson, especially going from Juco to, to D1 baseball. Uh, you look at, uh, he's hitting 125, but he's getting on base uh, 30 or 348 on base percentage. He's drawn five walks in six games. I think the ability to get on base is being shown there. And uh, Bikina, he's only struck out three times in 26 at-bats, so he's putting the ball in play. I think a lot of his low batting average is going to be attributed to, I guess, bad luck and just, just getting unlucky placement in ball. I think we'll, we'll bring up BABIP as much as we can. We'll, we'll try not to get too nerdy with, with what we're talking about on the show because there's you know endless sorts of stuff that uh, if, you listen, if you go on fan graphs, you go on the, the sabermetric sites. Uh, I know I'm a big sabermetric guy. I don't know about the two of you, I'm sure. We can, as as younger guys, we can kind of appreciate the number side of it and not exactly take the sixty year old man not only looking at RBIs and uh, and pitcher wins as the uh, you know the end all be all. Having said that, uh, you look at a lot of these guys, low BABIPs. Uh, Bailey Peterson, not necessarily a low BABIP guy, but someone who's struck out ten times so far. Noah talked about the adjustment period for him. What do you think, Tino? Is is the thing about you know you can hit the ball, hit the crap out of the ball in Juco, and then you go to D1 baseball, and it's a completely different story going against Fresno State, Pepperdine, two solid clubs, no, not, not necessarily national contenders per se, but maybe teams that could make the tournament in the right year. You know, Noah touched on that adjustment period, and it's there will be an adjustment period. I know Bailey Peterson had, had outstanding stats in Juco. It, it, 
these numbers were, you know, video game numbers. This was like 500 to average, 700-something slugging percentage. I mean, this guy was a guy who could play the D1 level. It's I, You think it's just a matter of getting the getting the reps in at the right level and getting maybe the seed of pitches a certain way. And here's the thing. He could have started his college career at the D1 level. Coach Jake Boss Jr. was on him coming out of high school, but an injury kind of set him back, and they said, hey, go to junior college. You know, do what you can do, and we'll keep we'll keep our eye on you. And he did. He went to Kellogg Community College in Battle Creek, Michigan, and like we said, I mean, he just had an outstanding freshman season. So, yeah, they definitely did keep an eye on him, and he could have started his college career up at the D1 level, and he's getting his opportunity. So, yes, an adjustment period for sure. We've seen he can hit the ball. I mean, that's there's no question. It's just a matter of when. And you look at the, the two guys we kind of mentioned earlier, uh, Zach McGuire at first base, who's you know multiple-year starter, not exactly off the hottest start either. You know, has played in seven game, all seven games so far, started six of them. He's got a home run in there somewhere, and yeah, the, I believe that was the home run that almost put them in the ahead in their first game against Fresno. I think it was a late you know, go-ahead couple multi-run home run. But on the other side of it, uh, has struggled also. He's gotten on base a decent amount, 308 on base. Obviously, you know the small sample size is going to make it hard to take these stats as gospel. I think when you're when you're only playing seven games so far. Yeah, I mean they're seven games in. I think it's hard to to judge them off of you know seven games. Uh, look, at, I think it's going to be hard for them. I mean they have to fly literally across the country and you know start playing in a different time zones. So I think it's going to be a huge adjustment for them, just you know mentally and physically. So I think uh, it'd be I wouldn't look too much into the trends. I mean, I know they're they're only hitting 208 as a team right now, but I think that's going to heat up as soon as they, they get more playing time under their belts. And the other side of it, too, is both these guys were sub-280 hitters average-wise last year, but the one thing you can rely on them with is, is power, especially. You know, you look at last year, Bikina's seven home runs. It was up there in terms of the team lead. Uh, can make contact, can can draw walks, especially Bikina almost almost walked twenty percent, which is you know a crazy amount even for the college level. Uh, th- these are guys that are solid offensive contributors. They're not going to hit the cover off the ball game after game, but I think the the problems you see with them has kind of just been something that's affected the whole lineup. And I wonder if they're going to fall in love with the long ball. I mean, because they do have power between you know McGuire, Bikina. Who doesn't? I mean, if you stand next to Bikina, you wouldn't think that he's one of their best power hitters, but he is. And um, you know, last year he, I think he was tied with Dan Durkin for the league leading home runs, or uh, team leading home runs. So that's that's my worry is that they're gonna fall in love with the long ball too much, and and they won't hit for that high average, and they won't take their walks. You you look elsewhere on the on the roster, uh, Adam Proctor, the the freshman catcher. Someone who I think you saw Tino uh, come on the stage in their, in their exhibition game against the Lugnuts all the way back last year. Uh, someone who does have a little bit of power as well. He does, yeah. He won the Crosstown Showdown home run derby against the Lansing Lugnuts, the Class A affiliate of the Blue Jays, and he impressed. I mean, he was hitting the ball opposite field to right. He's a lefty hitter. He was hitting the ball to you know left field. He was pulling the ball to right field. I mean, he was doing he was doing it all. And he's a freshman, right? And that's someone. Yeah, that's especially interesting. Is someone who, I mean, the the catcher spot has not necessarily been some sort of problem. I'd say for 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 MSU recently, they're not, it's not exactly a spot where you can look and say, oh, they need more production at X spot because 
think with the turnover of college baseball in general, you can't really make those kinds of assumptions because there's always someone willing to be plugged in and played. But Proctor, two for four, two RBI in their Saturday win over Pepperdine, their first win of the year, the 5-2 game. Uh, we'll go back through the through the last couple of weekends very quickly here. But so going to Fresno State on the 16th, 16th through the 18th there, uh, went over to Fresno, lost all four games, three of them by one run. And uh, you and I, Tino, have gone, have gone into depth on how much this team uh, hates one-run games. But you, you look at that, those results and you think, all right, well, maybe they can at least hang with Fresno State. Yeah, listen, I promise I won't beat to death the one-run ball games, But it's been a problem for Michigan State. It was a problem last year, and it, we already see it's a problem this year. They lost three one-run games to Fresno State. So, yeah, they were hanging with them. They played some tough games. And, hey, they faced some tough, some, some tough pitchers as well. I mean, Fresno State is no joke. Um, their, their opening day starter, he's easily a, a draft pick, and he's a, he's a prospect that a lot of scouts have been looking at. So they've run into some good pitching in Fresno State, along with Pepperdine. So these one-run games, they face some tough pitching, but that goes along with not being able to bring the bats around as well. So you go through there, those are the uh, the, the, the initial series, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, oh, goodness, those are games that, if you're looking at an NC tournament bid, thinking that they might be, I wouldn't want to call them must-win games because they're the first win games of the year, and they're also, it's also a long season. But I think if you want to put yourself in a position to potentially make some noise in the Big Ten, make some noise, do well enough, maybe if you finish in the top half, get consideration for a bid. But these games, you might you get you have to win a couple of them, and especially that's going to be in the next couple weeks as well. But you have to win a couple of them here and there, and they didn't win any of those games in Fresno. Fresno State is no pushover, but at the same time, they're not hanging a bunch of College World Series banners at the same time. So they're they're not. I don't think they were receiving votes from from the preseason polls. No. So you look at that and you think, well, what do you do now? Yeah, I, listen, they needed to win a few games there. I mean, maybe not win the series. It was a four game series. You know, starting off the season, traveling, and I don't know Noah alluded to some some jet lag, probably. That's a fair. That's a fair statement for college kids, at least. For sure, and you need to come away with a few wins, though. I mean, there's no way you can get swept in a four game series to start off the season and expect to have some of these quality wins at the end of the year. I mean, they're just the opportunities are there, but they're also limited. So you look at Bikina, you look at McGuire there, the mainstays, Proctor's had, you know, two hits, but they, they were big hits in in his plate appearances. And then Chad Ross Kelly, uh, two home runs already at the DH spot. Ryan King, though, is the name that that is probably, you know, the the thing that's keeping Michigan State's bats alive a little bit right now. Uh, five starts at short, just kind of played his own way into the lineup. Yeah, uh, I think he, he kind of took over for, for Peterson, who was struggling a little bit. I mean, he's saying 381. He hasn't gone yard yet, but I don't really think that's his game. He makes a lot of contact, and I think he's 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 providing, I guess, probably one of the lone right spots in this lineup right now. This is this is someone who was probably not, I think you don't think was expected to receive a lot of playing time right away. I figured he'd get some playing time, but not right away. I didn't expect him to have five starts at shortstop already and move a junior shortstop, Royce Ando, over to second base. I mean, if filling in for Peterson, that's one thing. You know, we know his bat's kind of struggling. But I thought maybe they'd just kind of plug him into second base here and there. But to push Royce Ando over to second base, that might tell you something. 
Coach Boss must be must be a uh, must be liking what he sees out of King right now. Do you think that maybe this lineup is best offensively if you were to put King and a Peterson together, who were who's eventually going to hit? I mean, we have to assume Peterson's eventually going to hit, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't expect him to hit on the bench, so he needs at bats. Um, it, it's interesting how they started Bikina in one of these recent games in left field. I think if they want to get Peterson those at-bats, want to get him some time to adjust at the D1 level, you need to insert him into the lineup, which means you might have to move a Bikina to left. You might have to, to move some pieces around, some players around, and play with that lineup a bit. And that's what Coach Boss did this past weekend, and I expect to see more of it. Corey Young also getting a couple starts here and there in the middle infield spots. Uh, you know, Ando's been probably the the more experienced of those two guys, and has received a couple starts at both second base and shortstop, but a multitude of names in there in the middle infield. But moving to the outfield, uh, Danny Gleaves, Bryce Kelly, the two, I'd say they were the headliners from last year's team. If you look at uh, production, these guys were both freshmen, and they both they didn't light the world on fire. But Bryce Kelly hits three fifty three in his freshman year. I You you can't really go wrong in, in saying that some outlandish thing to say he's MSU's potential best hitter going forward now. Yeah, I think that I, I think he's definitely one of, if not the best hitter on this lineup, but he's definitely struggling early right now. I think he has a combined total average right now is he's 167, yeah, 167 right, right now. 167 right now. Uh, has struck out six times in, and I think 21 plate appearances. Uh, it it's maybe just you you don't know because the sample size is just so so small, but struggles early on for both him and Danny Gleaves. Danny Gleaves hitting a 091 right now in 22 plate appearances. Both these guys have not hit when maybe conventional logic would have said that they'd at least hit a little bit more than they have been right now. I mean, just a pair of hits between the two of them. Yeah, Peterson, Gleaves, and... um. Kelly. Peterson, Gleaves, and Kelly are fighting up there for the... Team leading strikeouts, so a bunch of guys that you didn't really expect to to start the season and struggle. I mean, they are struggling. So I know Gleaves had a shortened 2017 season. He he was injured. So and and for and for Coach Boss to insert him into the lineup right away, I mean that shows you something. He's high on Gleaves and and he will come around. He's along a, he's with a talented player guys. too. These these guys are both talented guys. It's just maybe a matter of. Nobody on this team is hitting right now. I mean, even just pure average. I mean, you look at these small sample sizes and you expect guys to be closer to 500 than to zero. I think, you know, given given the way those kinds of things can fluctuate. And you look at the team right now, King is your best average guy at 385. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, listen... The- he is. He does have a high average, and that's why Boss is putting him up there in the leadoff spot. That's why he's leading off these games, and I think because I think it's 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 even more impressing because he is he's a freshman. He's a freshman leading off. Uh, you know, Bryce Kelly did last year eventually after he got the opportunity. Uh, once Glees went down, so that was impressing as well. So it is impressing that these freshmen, both last year and this year, are leading off and are taking, are starting this lineup off. Being the best hitters, I think. I think it's one of the problems with this lineup. Right, they don't really have a consistent spark plug at the top of the lineup too. I, like last season, they had Kelly hitting all season, hitting three fifty three, and kind of setting up you know guys like McGuire and McKenna 
and they just they don't have any they don't have base runners for to score runs. I think that's that's gonna be a huge problem. The other side of it is they are young, and Gleaves was a guy who struck out a bunch last year, even in the small sample size, almost struck out in a quarter of in more than a quarter of his at bats. You look and he's got ten right now. The two of them combined, sixteen combined strikeouts and forty three plate appearances. I, and the doc is, is this a problem? Discuss. It does worry you. It does. But like I said, with more at bats and, and and on the earth, it's a young season. I mean, we can't jump to to some crazy conclusions, especially because we've seen success from these guys before. We've seen success, you know, at the D one level. We've seen success at the top of the lineup, being being the catalysts on this offense in, in times before. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would be a little worried, but but at the same time, it's... It's seven games. It's seven so games. It's, so it's tough for, for, I think, us to sit here and make some kind of wide-sweeping judgments on guys based off of two series where, like Noah said, they've traveled. I don't know how much that plays into it. And the success has been there. That's that's the thing I keep going back to. The, the these success are guys that has been there. Comparative, I mean, if you... We're not really following this team much last year. Kelly led the team, 353 average. Uh, no home runs. Still waiting on that first career uh, collegiate home run. But guys that he, Kelly hit over 400%, 400 on base. And, and Gleaves was was right around 300 hitter. It still struggles with contact sometimes. But even in the limited plate appearances he got last year, looked like a player who can contribute going forward. Yeah, I mean, the duo combined last year hit for a 332 average. And... This year they're they're hitting 125, but I think the the potential's there. I mean, like you said, uh, Kelly hit 353 last season, and you know, Gleaves is kind of right at that 300 line. He's got to cut down his strikeouts for sure. I mean, you're not gonna get on if you don't put the ball in play. But I mean, the potential's there for these guys, and like you said, it's it's, it's early, and you know, these seven games, limited at bats, numbers can get really deflated or inflated really quickly. So I think that. I think that going forward, it's it, they're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna find a lot about this team going forward in the next couple of games. Those two are the mainstays: Kelly in left field, Danny Gleaves in center. Right field's kind of still a spot that has been kind of up in the air. Dan Chmielewski was the main starter last year. He's got three starts. Robbie Jones has been a bench guy the last two years. He's got three starts. Justin Antonchich has come on. We'll talk about him in just a second, but. Those two guys, I would I would give it to Chimalewski based on his stats from last year. Unless Jones has made some sort of change in his swing, is is developed, and that's something that obviously we won't be able to see until we get them back on campus. We can go to practice, look at them in that way. But is there really something you can pick out between the two of them right now? Both of them, as the rest of the team, has, has not really lit the world on fire yet. Chimalewski hitting two seventy three right now. Jones hitting 111 in his uh, nine at-bats so far. Yeah, I'll stick with Shemaleski too. I mean, he's he's proven that he can do it. I mean, it might be more of a right field by committee to start. I mean, whoever's gonna whoever's gonna step up and hit. Shemaleski's gonna... got a solid got solid defense too. They both they're both mm-hmm. pretty solid defenders. So I don't think it's really a problem of you know sticking sticking one guy in the lineup just because of his bat. I think if it was simply on whose bat was there, I think it'd be Shemaleski. Yeah, but but at the same time, we need to look at that and we need to say. Okay, this team isn't producing many runs. This team isn't hitting for the highest average. This team is striking out a lot. So you might have to plug in the bat because it's what they need right now. I think that uh, you know, Bikina had a start in left field too. I think it'd be interesting to see if he could play a little bit of right field every now and then. If if uh, Boss wants to go with the infield of, if he wants to start all three of uh, King Peterson and in Ando, I think that if you want to keep some of the more dynamic bats in the lineup, I think it's gonna be interesting seeing that if uh, if Bikina can handle a little bit of right field as well. 
So Justin Antonjic, the utility guy, has has started uh, at first base. Has started the DH. Has a start each at left, center, and right. Six hits and twenty four plate appearances. Somehow that constitutes him being one of the hottest hitters on the team so far. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you you break down the averages, you break down the hits, and and he's up there. So so like I said, it might be just who's who's bad's hot right now. And and Tolchik, his bat is, I mean, it's there. So expect him to see some more some more playing time for sure. But what Noah just said right there, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Bikina starting in left. I think that takes a weight off his shoulders being one of the team's best hitters. Doesn't have to place a ton of defense over in left field, you know, as as opposed to third base. So that's interesting, and I'll keep my eye on that for sure because I think if Bikina can play left, it does insert Peterson, doesn't insert also a, a better defensive, I think a better defensive infield with Ando, Peterson, and King because all those three guys have a plus glove and plus arms. And Tonchitz was in left on Sunday, last night's game, uh, let off of the triple in the fourth and then scored on Peterson's sack fly. That was the only run of the game. And, and moving down to the pitching staff, this was a bullpen that had a solid, solid outing yesterday. Held Pepperline scoreless. Uh, Mason Erla was your starter. But the the bullpen came in. It was Caleb Sleeman, Evan Floor, Jake Lowry, who has seen uh, duty at both starting and relieving, if that's if that's right. So this is this is a, a a starting rotation that has some powerful arms, and then the bullpen seems to have guys who may or may not be able to get the job done. I mean, the bullpen's a a tough thing to kind of nail down because the the sample size there is so small too. You know, Macaulay being the ace that that's for sure. But I think it does drop off after that. I think it does because you have Ethan Landon and Jake Lowry who are fifth-year seniors. So so you have some experience there, but not quite the talent that McCauley has. And then you get deeper into the bullpen, which you do have depth. You do have a ton of pitchers on this team, but they're just not at the caliber of McCauley as he was last year. I mean, he was their closer last year. That was an arm you could rely on. That was an arm you can trust. And it drops off. It definitely does drop off after McCauley. This McCauley line from last year is something else. So 25 appearances, 25 and two-thirds innings, struck out 44% of his batters, had 49 strikeouts in 25 innings, 210 ERA. The guy was dominant out of the bullpen last year, dominant in, in a way that I don't think anyone else in the roster can really match. And now you move him into a starter role. It seems, it's just It's an interesting move. I'll give it that. I don't know if it's going to work, though. Yeah, um, he's definitely the best arm in this entire roster, but I think when you take away uh, some of these pitchers later in the game to kind of come in and say if if uh, if a starter does get lit up, you don't really have a guy to come in and kind of kind of settle the, the opposing lineup down. I think that could be a problem going forward. And, you know, uh, I mean, McCauley, I mean, he's had, you know, his first start was was dominant against Fresno State. I mean, it's six innings, 12 Ks, one earned run, but he came in. He got lit up in his second start against Pepperdine. Four and two-thirds, five earned runs, uh, walked a couple batters. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's been two completely different pitchers and two starts. I think it's going to be interesting going forward whether he can keep up uh, kind of that ace role that he's he's taken on. McCauley's got 18 Ks and two starts. That's I think he's your, your definite number one guy. Is it tough for though to say he's not exactly the stopper? He's not exactly a guy where we can trust that he's going to go out and get that you know get a solid performance every single time he goes out there. Well, we can trust him to be out there. I mean, there's no 
there's no question that he's going to get thrown out there in every big situation on Friday nights, you know, that opening series starter. So he will be out there. Whether he'll he'll perform, I mean, that's another question. You know, Noah kind of touched on it. I just don't know if he can keep this up. It's a 54-game schedule. It's a long season. A lot of traveling. You know, Big Ten isn't the greatest conference, but there's a lot of talent, and he's going to have to face a lot of these guys, you know, some some of them twice. It's going to be tough for McCauley to perform, and they're going to catch up to him. I mean, they're going to they're going to figure his stuff out sooner than later for sure, especially if he's in that starter role because it's harder to do that with a bullpen guy. Ethan Landon is the fifth-year guy. He's probably your number two starter. Got hit around a lot last year. 629 ERA last year. Uh, lit up 62 hits in 48 and two-thirds innings. Uh, started half the game. He started nine games. This season, though, so far, not too bad. 11 and a third inning, three earned runs from Landon. I think, you know, if, this is, if, you have a, if you have any bounce-back candidates on the roster, I think it's someone like Ethan Landon. Yeah, I think that he could be capable of kind of taking on, I guess, the ace role of the staff if McCauley does end up getting hit around and kind of pushed back into the pen. But one of the most impressive things, I think, about Landon, he hasn't walked a single batter yet, and I think the, the control is there. Then if he can keep up that control and kind of, kind of places pitches where he wants to. I think he's going to he's going to be able to really work through a lot of lineups with not a lot of effort. And you look at Jake Lowry came in, had a solid game against on Sunday against Pepperdine, but Andrew Gonzalez has been around the program for a while. He got hit up a bit on in both of his appearances so far. Uh like like Noah said that kind of long reliever might be a, might be a bit of a hole for Michigan State, especially in these midweek games where you come in and say someone like Lowry is on the hill to start out the game. Sure, that's fine and all, but if he runs into trouble, then you run into the situation of maybe the situation spirals out of hand. You know, that's an interesting thing to look at is that long relief, and that's something that I'm going to be, you know, keeping my eye on. You would assume if someone else is starting, it's going to be Lowry. But let's say it's, you know, somehow they come back, it's a close game, who closes out the game? You know, so they do have Lowry, who didn't start this weekend. You know, we kind of said he closed already. So he, he did he did come out of the bullpen. But there's just there's nothing in there's nothing in between. There's not much talent in between the starter and the closer. There's there's nothing in between. You say that, but Mitchell Tyranski, seven innings, no runs yet. Sam Benshatter's had solid numbers in his limited time both seasons. Uh, Mike Machma started off the season well. Caleb Sleeman's done all right. I, I don't I, I don't know. I think I think you can go back and forth on this bullpen. We haven't seen enough of them yet to to maybe make snap judgments on them yet. No, and see, Machma is a a draft prospect. I see a lot of scouts, you know, posting some stuff on him. I know Baseball America has him as, you know, one of the top 2019 Big Ten draft prospects. So he has talent for sure. I mean, he's, um, you know, the thing that scares me, though, is the 31 hits and 25 innings of work last year. I mean, that's, I mean, that's more than, that's more than hit an inning. So, he did get hit around. Uh, we already touched on his his ERA. So maybe that's just part of being young, though. That, that's that's a good point. Uh, and then the reason that uh, Jake Lowry came out of the bullpen, I think, last uh, uh, yesterday at least, the, the the emergence of Mason Erla as this third starter uh, has done pretty solid so far. Ten innings of work, only allowed four earned runs, uh, eight strikeouts to one walk. You look at some of those numbers and you think, okay, Mason Erla is not necessarily a guy that we saw. As, uh, as a starter on the weekend, but heck, it looks so good so far. You know, to be honest, he didn't. He was 
injury-ridden last year, so I didn't see much of him. You know, we didn't see much of him at, at you know at all last year. Two, so two appearances last year, uh, seven and two-thirds innings, let up uh, eight six six earned runs in that time. So seven oh four ERA. Maybe not maybe not a whole lot of sample size to go off of though. Yeah. So no, he did have some some really good starts this um, so far this season. So I'm excited to see what he has. Like I said, haven't seen much of him. Um, only a small sample size last year, so it'll be interesting because you're right. He did have a kind of a resurgence, and and honestly, I, I'm sure Coach Boss is really happy to see that he he might have a solid third uh, third game starter. Mitch Tyransky, though, you go back to last year, uh, almost just a sub four ERA in the 16 innings he had. Could he be the, kind of the closer? Uh, MSU's had some solid closers lately. When you look at McCauley's numbers lately, uh, you go back all the way to Dakota Mackis, uh, Joe Mockby out of the pen. You know, a lot of these. They had a solid bullpen arm, at least here or there, about every year. Do you think that the Tyransky isn't a shot to be that kind of next guy in line? He does. See, the thing last year with Tyransky is he was used in a lot of the kind of long relief situations. He was used in a lot of blowout games, too. So he hasn't been necessarily placed on, on a big stage. So, you know, I'm kind of refraining from saying that he's going to be the guy because we don't know yet. Could be um, could be a guy though. Could be a guy for sure. So that that's that's kind of your look at the roster so far. Uh, you know, two and five start, not necessarily what you're looking for coming out of the gates, but a chance for uh for them to maybe turn things around potentially going forward. We'll get to that in just a second as we preview a few of the next opponents. But first, we'll take you around the Big Ten so far. So the Big Ten, if you are not necessarily a college baseball follower, the Big Ten is maybe. I'd consider them maybe like an outside of the Power Five conferences when you look at baseball, but there's not really a Power Five in baseball. Does that make, does that make any sense? So so they're not exactly in a power conference. Let's just put it that way. For sure. I mean, it's a it's a conference I kind of look at as like in you look at NCAA football. It's kind of like the American conference where like you know you might have you know if a team has a good year they might sneak away into the rankings. But like like a UCF. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. Maybe think of of Indiana, your current uh, division leader, your conference leader as a as a UCF type. They're 18th in the nation right now, six and one at their start of the year. They had a couple of solid wins. They've beaten Kansas State. They've beaten Coastal Carolina, Boston College, Purdue's also at six and one, but they've. They've been beating up on a couple teams that I didn't even know had baseball programs. So, yeah, but see, in a certain poll, they received um, a few votes. So, so that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Maybe look at them as, as a solid team, if nothing else. Iowa's five and one. Minnesota's five and two. I think a lot of these teams are heading out west, heading down south, uh, trying to get the uh, their legs underneath them. Not, not really too many results to write home about. Uh, the, the the notable one is Indiana beat Rutgers in a non conference game. Rutgers is two and four along with Michigan. But you go through the rest of the conference: Illinois and Penn State, both three and three; Maryland, three and four; Northwestern, two and three. Kind of, it seems like, like Indiana, Nebraska, or your uh, maybe Purdue even are your are your kind of main main the mainstays. Mm-hmm. I'd say at the top of the conference standings. Yeah, keep an eye on Minnesota. I mean, they they performed really well last year. They kind of dropped off towards the end of the season. I think you know Michigan and Nebraska really took that kind of. They were kind of the, the catalysts, I guess, in in the Big Ten, but. Keeping it on Minnesota, I think that's my dark horse this year. Indiana, though, is is the team to beat. I think we'd say in the conference, uh, it's been a solid program, if nothing else. I remember they've always always given Michigan State fits at home. Michigan State currently last in the conference uh, on, on some sort of technicality there. So 
I don't think they'll be there come season's end, though. I think there are a few teams that, that Michigan State is capable of beating, especially in the conference. The talent's there. I mean, the talent's there to to compete. I mean, last year they missed the, the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, kind of an atrocious season when you look back at it. But, you know, this year, the talent's there. I mean, it's, the, still, it's still a young team. You look at a lot of these contributors, uh, you're... Your senior leadership is definitely there in Bikina and a couple of the pitchers and McGuire. Uh, even if you want to go all the way back to McGuire, you go look at uh, Chad Ross Kelly as a, as a DH. They've got some guys who have been around for a while, but with the, with the players like King coming up, you've got players in the outfield that are on the younger side. I'd say this team is enough talent to maybe compete for a Big Ten tournament spot at the very least. Uh, should be there. Is it eight teams make the Big Ten tournament? Eight teams. So... You're looking at that and you're thinking to yourself, well, if you want to make the national tournament, you got to make the Big Ten tournament to start out. Yeah, that's like like we said, that's something they didn't do last year. So, like I said, you know, the talent's there. The talent's there. Young team, but they they should be able to. And in a conference, like you touched on, it, that isn't highly regarded around the country, they should be able to, to compete at least, at the very least, make you know the Big Ten tournament and finish in that top eight. So we're recording this on the 26th of February, and of, of course, with, with the excellent timing that, that persists here at MSU, we're going on spring break next week. But the baseball team is not. So between now and on, on the 12th when we record again, we are going to find out a lot about this team. So next weekend's Minneapolis, the, I like this, the Dairy Queen Classic and slash Pac-12 versus Big Ten Challenge. It's a mouthful. I, I, I'm all for talking out the entire uh the entire uh, sponsor in a, in a title for something so you know rose bowl game presented by northwestern mutual and so this you said it might be the rose bowl of baseball tournaments. you know i saw that somewhere i was reading about the the history of dairy queen classic slash pac-12 big 10 challenge Thank you. and um yeah yeah someone uh someone called it the rose bowl of baseball tournaments. so I, I like that and I, I stuck with it so this is a spot where michigan state next weekend it will be in Minneapolis and has a chance to get a couple of big name wins on the resume. Most notably, the UCLA Bruins, currently ranked number 14th, according to USA Today. So here's here's the weird thing about baseball polls. You look at basketball or football, and they've only got maybe a couple, maybe an AP and a, and a coach's poll or something like that. Baseball's got five polls. We're going to stick with USA Today. Baseball America's got a, a good poll, too. Uh, that That's the one we're going to go off of. RPI is also a thing. Michigan State's like in the 130 something out of 294 in RPI, but that's early on, so don't know how much you can put into that. But they start out on the second, I believe that's going to be this Friday. This Friday. This Friday. So they will go into Minneapolis, play Washington. That's at four o'clock. Next game is on Saturday noon. UCLA is the big one there. And then Arizona on Sunday to wrap it up at noon. But you look at three teams there, Pac 12. So, you know, big name schools, schools that have, you know, had decent starts of the year. MSU takes uh, maybe one or two wins away from this, and you're thinking that's a pretty solid weekend. Yeah, for me, I, you know, I look at this upcoming schedule, and I think this is the meat right here. This is the meat of their schedule. You know, they they do play Clemson a little bit down the road, but y- you get programs like UCLA and Arizona to come to the Midwest. It only happens once a year. You get them to come out to the Midwest, and that's those are huge, huge, huge potential their quality wins quality to put on wins, a resume. Quality yeah. wins for sure. And you know Arizona did lose uh the last three games 
that they've had. Um, they played some good teams there, though. Some great teams, yeah. The Tony Gwynn Classic in San Diego. I mean, that was that was star study. You had number four Arkansas there. You had Michigan there, our you know Big Ten representative. Um, so yeah, th- they've been on a, a little bit of a skid, but UCLA. They were the runner-up, College World Series runner-up in 2010. They were the champ in 2013. Arizona was the runner-up in 2016, and they won back in 2012. So, a lot, you know, these programs have had success and sustained success, too. Say MSU picks up a win off one of these teams, and that's going to make a lot of noise. You you tell me they can't knock off UCLA, Arizona. Maybe even if it's some fluky game. It's it's a win's a win when it comes to in the eyes of the committee. A win's a win. I want McCauley throwing one of those games for sure. I mean, mean, you're they're. Would you would you assume they throw them out against Washington, or or I mean I don't know I don't know what the situation is with with these kind of things where you throw off a guy's timing if you didn't start him on a Friday night. That's a good question because he is the quote unquote you know Friday starter and Washington coincidentally shows up on Friday so yeah, that's a good question. My bet would be start him against either UCLA or Arizona. I'm leaning towards UCLA, but I can see him going Friday too. Washington uh, has has some solid pitching of their own. Joe Demers actually threw a perfect game against UC Riverside this last weekend. Eighty four pitches. Don't know how that happens. Don't know how you don't work the work the count a little bit more there. But no, I, I mean, what, how much would a win? I think in any of these games. I think even if you lose, if you lose to UCLA, no big deal. They're ranked. They're a good team. You lose to Arizona. Okay, well they've had success recently. But winning any of these games would be a huge feather in MSU's cap. Uh, yeah, they, these are huge schools with huge athletic programs across the board. And you look at a win against them in any sport, it's going to be a good thing to add to your resume. Especially if they can at least make it interesting against UCLA. I mean, in my opinion, if I was if I was a manager, I would throw McCauley out there. You want your best arm out there against you know the nationally recognized school. So I think that you know like a win if they can win one or two of these games, I think would be. A pretty solid thing to take away out of this tournament. It's it's tough because you can't really treat this like it's like the MLB playoffs, and you can't start a guy in you know a couple days rest or something, and and try to treat it like it's some shortened thing, can you? No, and see, here's the thing, Coach Boss on Spartan Sports Network before the season started, he said that he was going to th- use a lot of arms in the non-conference. You know, he didn't want to wear anybody out, and then once conference rolls around, it's all hands on deck. So it's tough. It's tough to weigh which part of the schedule is more important, because these are some good wins you can get here. You're not necessarily favored to beat teams like UCLA, Arizona. Meanwhile, you save those arms for kind of Big Ten play, and you get some wins there. And it's another way. It's another route, I guess, into the tournament, if nothing else. Oh yeah, and we'll see. Here's the thing with UCLA. They have a pitcher, John Olson, who's uh, named. 13 preseason All-American by Collegiate Baseball. Do you almost, you never want to chalk up a loss right away. But in order to leave that weekend with a win, at least one uh, as close as a guarantee that you can have, you might have to throw McCauley one of those other two days. You're going to face John Olsen. I mean, unless UCLA was to start him on a Friday or do something like that and maybe, maybe the way that they work and then... Um, they 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 would almost treat MSU like, oh, well, this is a game we're gonna win. We can throw number two guy, number three guy there. Uh, that's a, that's another option. That is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got to think about it from many different angles here, yeah. Tino. You yeah, got to you got to look at it from. Uh, you got to go. Okay, well, if they do this, what are we gonna do? I I think if you could throw, you could throw Erla against UCLA. He's started off the season pretty well. I mean, I don't know if I'd be confident, but shoot, I mean, 
you look at either of those wins against I think I think UCLA and Arizona are your priority games. If you if you beat Washington, great. That's I mean that's really good if you beat Washington, but either of those games is is a significantly higher magnitude win, I think than 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 Washington. Yeah, I mean again, Arizona or Arizona and UCLA, I think they need to be all hands on deck. I think that's going to be if they want to make you know, a bid at the at the NCAA tournament. These are games that they're gonna look back on the committee and see that like you know they're gonna be playing good against big name teams. They don't want guys in there they're gonna lose and you know against these schools. So I think that if they want like a bid at the tournament, I think they're gonna have to at least make it interesting against these two teams. But you can't really treat it like a like a playoff game and no. maybe throw throw say McCauley on on a Sunday game and throw him in the sixth inning or something just because just because you have a shot at putting a big win on the resume, you know. Does that make does that make sense though? It does, but why not? Maybe you could. Maybe I, I think it's. It, I think it's just something we're gonna have to maybe look and see based on how the weekend's feeling. I mean, I'll, I'll be listening to these games at the very least. So and MSU not being in very many high leverage games recently doesn't really give us a gauge of what Coach Boston might or might not do. So I think if they were in some key games in years past, we can we can see. Okay, does he, you know. Does he throw a starter on a couple days of rest? Does he, you know, use his, you know, does he overwork his pitchers in big games? So you know, that's something we haven't seen. So it'll be interesting to see, especially this weekend. You go after that. So they leave Minneapolis then on the on the fourth. That's next Sunday. We'll be I'll I'll be in Florida by then. So so see you guys then. Florida. Oh yeah. So then they'll be in in Greenville, South Carolina over the next week. They're playing on next Wednesday. Oh, out against Clemson, uh, number twenty-one Clemson, uh, another potential big game there. Don't know who your starter would be. I don't think you'd want to throw McCauley even on a couple days rest. Maybe, maybe even throw Lowry potentially in a situation like that in midweek game. Or Landon. I mean, Landon's been starting as well. So then Furman on the ninth. That's uh, next Friday, and then two games with Illinois. Interesting. Interesting. I, I don't think those are. I could be wrong. I don't think those are Big Ten games. They are not. They are non-conference games. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a good, accurate you know way of looking at where you're at within the conference. Illinois is, uh, you know, 500 right now. Could be in a situation where you just kind of say, all right, if you if you lose both those games, you're you might be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, it's it's a good way to to kind of get a gauge of what you know a, t- a team in the middle of the conference is going to be like. I think that early yeah. on the season, and they're trying to be in the middle of the conference yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you know you can kind of come in and get it like a, a little bit of a feel of what you know the the competition is going to be like around the Big Ten. I think it's a huge thing early in the season. And then that's pretty much. I mean that's that's it for while we're gone. We'll be back to preview uh, the home slate. So it, it'll be really nice because we'll be in the state of Michigan from the from the fifteenth of March all the way up until you keep scrolling down the eighteenth of April. So so if you don't so if you don't like baseball you might want to avoid the website here for a couple uh, for for about a month. Definitely some some travels in our schedule maybe to Ann Arbor, Kalamazoo. We to do a um, podcast live from oh gosh I don't even know what Michigan's uh, baseball stadium is. Neither do I. So maybe a little bit of research you might you might hear my voice piped in there for the end of it but I I wouldn't expect much from from the first episode of season three here in the Warrior Track. Are we also? I mean I know this is looking far ahead almost two months ahead. We going to Detroit. America Park? You think we're not going to Detroit? Oh, we're, we're no. going we're to Detroit. We're going to Detroit. We're going to Detroit. For 24th April against Eastern, but you look in those in that sequence, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it all a bunch later, but you got Niagara, and then you start off Big Ten play. You got a lot of, a lot of Michigan State baseball on the schedule coming up in the, uh, in the next 
maybe two months, I'd say, from here. So looking forward to it, boys. Uh, anything else? I know we didn't get any... F- I, like, I like Tino's name for our mailbag segment, but fan interference will be making a, an appearance in the next in the next show. Any any final takeaways from uh, from the inaugural episode of season three here, The Warning Track? Oh, um, geez, you guys are looking at each other. Ugh, I knew this was going to happen. No one knows when to talk. Listen, best for last. So... I guess I'll save now for last. Listen, this is gonna be is gonna be an interesting season. I think these next two weeks are gonna be interesting for sure. But these next two weeks for sure. But just the season in general, Coach Boss just hasn't been able to get the job done in Big Ten play. He hasn't been able to get the job done in non conference play, and it's not necessarily a testament to him. It's been a young, it's been young teams. It's been injuries, but it, it's. It's gonna be interesting to see where they land after this non-conf, the rest of this non-conference slate, and a very long, lengthy, as we alluded to, Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I think that these next two weeks are probably gonna. I mean, in my opinion, might be the most interesting part of the schedule all season long. But when you, uh, Coach Boss, I think is is probably gonna to want to save a lot of these arms for Big Ten play. I mean, you look at he came short of the tournament last year, and I think that it's probably his main goal this season is is to at least make the tournament. So I think that's gonna be. Uh, it's probably gonna be a lot of save and probably kind of kind of save his guys. Uh, for for Big Ten play, forty eight minutes of very beautiful Michigan State baseball conversation. You can catch us on Twitter. I'm Kyle Turk five. I'm trying to get the uh, I don't know if I told I told I told Noah this, but I'm trying to tell you this. I'm trying to get at Kyle Turk because it's more professional, obviously, to go at Kyle Turk than Kyle. Don't Turk tell five. me someone has it. No, okay, so this guy has it. But he hasn't tweeted since he is, he's zero tweets. He joined in two thousand nine. Doesn't follow anyone. Isn't followed by anyone. Zero tweets. I got I, I contacted Twitter just recently. And I, I'm hoping to get that name. You like I'm, that? You like that idea? You know, I'm not worried about the name. I'm just worried about the verification. No. How about that? I, I'll, I'm gonna get there <laughs> one of these days. Check. One of these days. At uh, Abarca04. At is it Noah G423? That's right. <sighs> got it my first try. I'm better than Zach, so I suck at this stuff. Impact89fm.org slash sports where you can catch all our content. Might have a few pieces. Maybe I think we might have something right before we get back from spring break about, you know, the whole last two weeks. Uh, obviously the big part of the schedule. But that's uh, that's it for the first episode of the warning track. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks when it's time to come back from the sun and uh, get get cracking on some MSU baseball. <laughs>